1: At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Derek
0: Jeter! This is
2: the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas carinante Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Water alongside Thomas Carinante. Oh boy! When we broke uh, on Thursday afternoon, we were uh, we were awaiting the final game of the Twins series. We're talking about how they're 40 and 16. You know, we're kind of setting you up for a series loss. Like it's all good. Uh, you know, whatever happens, happens, and then we'll go home, face the Cubs, see what happens. What happens is Garrett Cole gives up five home runs and seven earned runs, and the Yankees trail that one to the Twins, uh, 7-3. You know, it's only a four-run deficit, but 7-3, and your your ace gives up five homers, can't get anybody out. Lucas Litke has come into the third inning. You're probably not going to win that game too often. Well, uh, you're not the Yankees. Uh, Joey Gallo homers twice. Aaron Hicks homers to tie the game breaks the you know eventually adds on an extra run they take a 9-7 lead becomes 10-7 that becomes an all-time like uh, again we talk it feels like we're saying this every two weeks if you're singling out all-time wins where you're like that I'm not gonna forget that that was another one where unfortunately happened the same night as the Rangers lost game five at home but that's another game where you're like I'm not gonna forget that then they go into the Cubs series I went Friday night place was packed first of all second of all place was packed with Cub fans because these teams don't play each other very often. Uh, certainly Yankee fans outnumbered the Cub fans, but it was like a, it was an obvious bus trip or charter plane or whatever. They were everywhere. They were nice saying hi to Anthony Rizzo, you know, no drama, but just a ton of Cubs fans there. And they stuck it out through a, a game where the only hit with runners in scoring position in the entire game was the walk-off winner, Jose Trevino uh, coming off the bench, got the only hit with risk in that entire game. One of the weirder games you'll ever see uh, like, bringing it back to hockey when you got a great goalie, that was like a game where, you know, Jose Trevino just stole it. Neither team performed well, no offense, great Yankee pitching. Clark Schmidt was great. Marinaccio was great. Severino was great. And then Trevino just went ahead and stole it. And that gave them the offensive momentum to win Saturday, 8-0, Sunday, 18-4. And that's where we are now. Four wins since our last podcast. It's almost becoming normal to take an entire weekend. And we're going to remember – For different reasons, at least three of these four games, and if you don't remember Jordan Montgomery's seven innings of brilliance on Saturday night, that's your own fault, too. The Yankees are in an incredible place right now. We're going to talk about the Cubs series, obviously, but also what led into it, namely Clint Frazier getting himself in hot water and getting kicked off of the team again uh, in a hilarious uh, bit of timing. And, of course, Marcus Stroman, we love facing him in this series, too. No, we didn't. He actually hit the IL right series as well. So the two Cubs who love to talk the most shit got knocked out of the uh, official active roster. Shocker that we didn't see either of those people in this series. We're also going to talk about the emergent stars. I mean, there are two obvious names that are leaking out of this entire weekend. And that's Jose Trevino, obviously, and super sub slash guy who wasn't even supposed to play on Sunday slash eventual hero, Matt Carpenter. So we can't can't finish a pod without talking about Matt Carpenter these days, but we're going to do it again. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag questions. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, and what can you say this weekend had legitimately everything? And for those of you who are still crying about the Yankees only beating up bad competition, uh, wow wah, 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 uh wow wah, wah, wah.
3: It's good that they're pummeling the bad competition, so it's good. it doesn't matter to me um, as long as the wins are indicative of the the talent level of this team, which I think. We've had a lot of relaxing weekends this year. Can't say the same for last year um, where you didn't get any reprieve from this team. Uh, this year, you have a game like you were talking about, the series finale against the Twins. Garrett Cole, by the way, Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole is the worst pitcher on the Yankees' staff right now. Yeah. And it's not even a joke. It's 100% true. You look at all the metrics, you look at FIP, he is the worst with a 3.57. You look at ERA, he is the worst with a 3.63. You look at WHIP, he is the worst with a 1.075. The only thing he has on any of his fellow pitchers is strikeouts. He's got 84 and 67 innings, but at this point, um the, it, it's amazing how these some of these storylines where you look at a couple of the you look at Galloway Hicks, you're like if this was any other Yankee season where there was futility at any other aspect of the roster, that's all you'd be hearing about. You'd be hearing about how bad these deals or how bad the Hicks deal is, how bad the Gallo trade was, how bad Gallo's salary was for the last two years, which is kind of relative because the Yankees have restricted themselves with payments here and there or with uh, doling out money here and there. So, you're looking at the rest of this team pick each other up and it really is incredible because we haven't been really treated to something like this um, in, in at least three years. Um, And coming off that game against the twins where your ACE starts and you're like, Oh man, we have a chance to really just shut this team up uh, first place in the AL central, shut everybody else up who says we can't, you know, win again. I don't think there's been a lot of chatter about the Yankees, not winning, not beating good teams. I don't really pay attention to that. Mets fans were doing that like seven games into the season. The Mets were like six and one and people were like, oh, they're not really playing anybody. And then Mets fans were like, uh, and then the Mets win a series against one team that has a winning record. And there's so much for all the haters saying we can't beat good teams. We just won one series. It's like, I don't care.
2: Mets fans are having a crazy time right now. The really? like KFC Barstool wakes up every day and writes like 38 tweets in a row about how this team is different. And it's like, maybe they are, but it's also the most obvious coping mechanism of all time. I mean, the Mets have lost half of their lead in the division in the last two weeks, which like, I mean, they're still good, but like, that's, it doesn't feel nice when that happens. Yeah. And every tweet he writes is like, this was bound to happen. This was always going to happen. This doesn't mean this year is like every other year. It's like, okay, man, like you're talking a lot <laughs> of shit in, in early, mid May. Like, all just I kept look thinking yourself. looking all I kept thinking about Mets fan tweets was just like it, the reason this, you know, this franchise, the Mets always seem to backslide and always seem to have trouble and always seem to hit these swoons. And all offseason long, they're like waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And then all of a sudden they're hot for like 10 days, and then it's all pretense out the window, trolling like crazy, like tweets like you're the 6 time defending division champions. And it's always just like what are you guys going to learn ever? Like, are you guys, I, I don't even tweet about the Yankees until they're like 44 and 16. Like, are you guys literally ever going to learn or are we going to have to wait another year? Um, <laughs> and we're still, I mean, we've been relatively quiet, but what are you supposed to do? Like they're, they're 44 and 16. They're about yeah. to go through a, a raise Jays raise Astros stretch. That's going to be really tough, but you know what helps being 28 games over 500 when you have to play those teams in a row, that helps a lot.
3: Yeah. I'm feeling good. And that's why, you know, you look at all these other things that you know, there's – I'm, I'm rarely ever happy with Garrett Cole. You know that. the listeners no, know. I know. That. Yeah. Never really ever been happy with Garrett Cole, if we're, if we're being totally honest here. But um, the, the team is – Aaron Judge is on a different planet. Um, it's funny because never in the history of anything has a fan base been ecstatic to see some player go beyond – so far beyond expectations that they're going to cost their team so much money in the offseason – Nobody, everyone is laughing whenever Aaron judge, hits a home run price goes up. Twitter says every time it's the price goes up and I'm loving it too. So you look at all these storylines, Nestor Cortez, another great one. Um, Jose Trevino, another one who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, The the biggest, the biggest uh, factor for this year is that it's what every bad thing is kind of being is, is almost being fully silenced. You're not going to, you're not going to fully silence um, Yankees fan base, but are we concerned about Gallo? No, it's, you know, it's not fun to watch sometimes, but Hey, heats up here and there, or he starts hitting some home runs here and there. It feels good. Aaron Hicks. Great to watch him either. Not really. A couple of good defensive plays though. Home run, couple of timely hits also feels good. Um, so that's my favorite thing about this season. Um, and they win. they're winning the close games. They're, they're, they're winning those agonizing games that they weren't winning last year. Those one-to-ones in, the sixth inning where you're like, okay, man, score a run, like, please do it. And then the other team just erupts for five and you knew it was coming. Now we can sim the games to the end and it's usually in the Yankees. um, It's usually in the Yankees favor. And, you know, a lot of uh, another thing that I'm really happy about is all the shit talking coming in the Yankees direction, which is largely unprompted outside of the Josh Donaldson thing, which deserved every bit of shit talk, every bit of criticism, whatever you want to call it. Nothing else has really been deserved. The Yankees haven't been overly cocky Um, fans outside of the guardians. You know, the moment with the guardians, which we ended up seeing was pretty much miles straws fault for instigating the rowdiest people in the stadium. Um, Fans have largely been okay for the most part. I don't correct me if I'm wrong there. I don't think there's been any bizarre Yankee fan situation that other fans are looking out for to just magnify on social media. Um, So, Uh, I'm glad to see all the other, the opposite shit talking kind of get late. Uh, you know, it's, it's laid to waste and Clint Frazier, the latest victim of that Clint Frazier heading into the series. Cubs are visiting the Yankees on Friday, New York post runs a story on Thursday night, um, with Clint Frazier talking shit about the Yankees once again. So, Hey, you don't like the Yankees, man. That's great. I don't like plenty of things. Um, (laughs) And it's normal. It's very normal. I know Clint's oh, time in the. New- I wrote an article on Clint after he had gotten released. It was, a, it was a tough situation. Nonetheless, he talked shit, traveled with the team to New York, had a locker in the visiting locker room, and then gets designated for assignment hours before the series is supposed to start. Um, Cubs manager David Ross came out to the media, talked about it. Uh, it was clearly a tough situation. He said Clint was emotional. Um, but just another life lesson is – why are you? Why are you gonna? Why are you gonna set it up? You're gonna set it up for all the critics, all the people opposing you, setting it up, teeing it up for them to just laugh when this happens. Because if Clint Frazier had just gotten designated for assignment and didn't say anything, that would have objectively felt bad. Like you would have been like, "Oh my god, like that's <laughs> terrible." Coming back to New York, like maybe he wanted to. Uh, close some old wounds or shut the door, get some closure here. Um, and then he gets, he gets designated for assignment. Now he's looking for another job. Like that's terrible. Now he comes back. He essentially says the same things about, you know, criticizing the Yankees, the Yankees organization, which correct me if I'm wrong, we'll get into it in, in a second. Seems seemed like he was talking shit on some teammates too, based on mm-hmm. kind of how the, 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 um, he, he left a lot out for interpretation is what I'm trying to say. Um, so uh, not that I'm glad he got designated for assignment. It sucks. But like when that happens, you're just like, okay, like, wh- what do you want me to do? You, you were mad at the team for a lot of things happened when Clint Frazier was here. You had the whole Mickey Mantle retire unretirement fiasco, which I, I don't think was true. He also said it wasn't true. We believe that that was just a nonsensical rumor. Then you had Michael K calling him out. Shame on him for not. Uh, he said, shame on Clint Frazier for not getting healthy, which is completely out of Clint Frazier's control. Um, yeah. And you start off the tenure like that, and it's tough. Bad vibes. You're not feeling well. However, Clint Frazier never really did himself favor here either. Um, he dodged the media after that 2019 game against the Red Sox, where he made two awful plays in the outfield, um, and then said he owes the media nothing because they've done nothing but mistreat him since he was here. Um, he hid the concussion diag or he had the concussion issues from the Yankees last year. Um, he was given the starting left field job last year, regressed in every in every possible manner. Um, and, uh, he had, there was one other thing that he did that I don't have off the top of my head right now. Um, but didn't lend. And, and the key part about this is that Yankee fans were largely supportive of Clint Frazier throughout his time here. They mm-hmm. were mad whenever the Yankees optioned him, they wanted to see his potential kind of come to fruition at the major league level because he had all the hype around his bat. Um, and all that was left to kind of come around was the defense um, major league ready bat that everybody wanted to see on a, on a, on a daily basis. They didn't get to, um, did the Yankees jerk him around? I, I do think so. Um, however, it seems like there wasn't, there was, there, there was something off here. So both one party or the other uh, or the other was not seeing eye to eye, but then Frazier is mentioning the, you know, the, his most recent criticism, which he also talked about in the off season was that, um, he didn't like being told how to look. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I get it, man. Um, it's probably not a great feeling, especially if you like to let your hair down or grow a beard or whatever, but everyone is doing this. I'm not saying that's an excuse for the Yankees to keep this policy in place, which I still think is bullshit and needs to go. We're in 2022. Not everybody needs to look the same. Um, but everybody was falling in line. This is a team. Everybody kind of has to just understand where we're at as a team and and make some sacrifices and do whatever. Clint Frazier was either not or he was clearly willing to do that because he did it, but he was resentful for it and it maybe affected his time here. But um the fact that he was saying that he didn't feel included in the clubhouse makes me here. Uh, he said the club, the Cubs clubhouse was way more inclusive and they're accepting of more people, which kind of feels like a shot at Yankee, his Yankees teammates for not being accepting of him. I don't know. That's what I got from the comments. Um, but nonetheless, next day he's, re- he's released and you're like, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It, you're, you're teeing it up again. Like you're coming into enemy territory. You're saying the same shit over and over again. You already knew you probably weren't getting a warm welcome. And now you're just making it even worse on yourself. So I don't get it. Um, Some people need to say things. I I understand that, but why are you going to make the situation exponentially worse? And then I'm not saying the Cubs released him because of that, but when you're sitting there weighing the factors as the Cubs, you're trying to make a roster decision. And then Clint Frazier says that they're probably like, yeah, you know what? We don't need these headlines for three days. Like, He was already on the fringe. Let's 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 just be done with it. So um, tough situation. But uh, I mean, what what else can you do?
2: Yeah, the uh, David Ross quotes were really telling to me before the game when they released him. He said he's trying to do lip service. And he said, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs decision to DFA Clint Frazier was tough, said they needed the spot for Chris Martin, the reliever who ended up pitching in Friday's game then said the Cubs didn't, quote, see a real spot for him right now. So it, it wasn't that tough a decision because you, you no. can't even figure out how you're going to use it. So clearly that was a little bit of lip service at the top. Frazier stood out to me during his Yankee tenure as someone who I was obviously rooting for, but there was always something bubbling below the surface. When he had the chance to throw you know, his teammates under the bus and cast doubt on, on them and how well he fit with them, he would. There was that series against the Red Sox where they took the first – stop me if you've heard this one, but they took the first two and lost the last one on Sunday <laughs> Night Baseball because he was running around the outfield uh, taking terrible routes in right and right and then wouldn't speak to the media after the game. And I remember kind of thinking, you know, this 2019 season feels kind of magical. I, I, if this ends up throwing off their trajectory, I'm going to be furious. And for a couple of days it did. They, they went to yeah. Toronto and they got beaten up. Um, you know, ultimately they got back on track, but you want to avoid as many of those distractions as you possibly can, especially if they're so self-inflicted. And then what else stands out about Frazier to me is, you know, the concussion stuff, but not the fact that he suffered from concussions, but that he, for some reason, he, he suffered one going all out in spring training, running into the wall headfirst. And that threw off his Yankees career for a year and a half plus yeah. and then when he finally got on track again he ran into the wall in spring training again in 2021 and we were on this podcast saying he doesn't look right that's scary i've seen enough concussion stuff that i know that you're i mean elementary logic but you're going to want to avoid running into a wall again you're going to especially why avoid are avoid doing, doing that it in a meaningless game in spring training and he you know doesn't mention it doesn't blame it for his struggles but he goes on to not be able to see a fastball directly down the middle for the entirety of 2021 One of the worst qualified hitters in Major League Baseball. And then the season ends, and all of a sudden he says, Yeah, I did suffer another setback that spring. We know. So I don't know why you're hiding it if you already have this fractured relationship with the Yankees. It's only going to breed more sympathy. And it led to everybody, it led to a bunch of people unnecessarily questioning his on field credentials last year because he didn't tell us something had gone wrong. So all the love in the world for Clint Frazier, I didn't want him to go somewhere like the Red Sox this offseason. I was very happy when he went to the Cubs. But I, 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 needed to see a lot from him to prove that he was going to be able to get over that post concussion stuff. And I haven't seen it. Um, but he, I was certainly in his corner when this off you know, yeah. roster shuffle went down. I don't understand for the life of me going after the Yankees for being cookie cutter again and again and again. And when the Cubs are struggling in early June going for it again, um, and, you know, clearly didn't fit in that well in the Cubs locker room, first and foremost, but yeah. it, sitting through that Friday night game where none of the Cubs could make any sort of offensive breakthrough, it did seem like yeah. a massive mistake to cut him loose. He would have, if there was one series all year, he would have gotten up for it was this one. Um, yep. Rafael Ortega, who they put in Frazier's place on, on the roster. Didn't exactly like the world on fire. I, I, I can't imagine caring so little about your on-field product that you're not going to give Clint Frazier the revenge grudge match in, in this series yeah. Especially in a game, again, nobody got a hit with a runs and score position. Nobody. Oh, for the game, until Jose Trevino broke through. Uh, I'm pretty sure the, I I don't know if they lose that game if Frazier's playing. I don't know where he comes up. Uh, And I know Gary Sanchez's revenge didn't exactly go as planned last week, even though a lot of people want to blame the Yankees' starting pitcher's tough starts in Minnesota. Uh, for Gary behind the plate, people are saying he was he was bringing like he was tipping the Twins off. I don't think that's real, but his revenge was was brutal last week. And I think Frazier would have certainly exacted a measure of revenge if they'd let him play. Very weird they didn't. But when you look at the timing of everything and the swirling article and all this unnecessary noise prior to the series, it seems pretty obvious the two were at least somewhat connected. Or the timing is extremely coincidental. I, I guess yeah. we'll never know. Um, But clearly the Cubs were not afraid to be brash. On on Saturday, after the Yankees had already hit one home run and Giancarlo Stanton hit another ball to the wall, they tweeted Yankee fans think everything's a home run. Yeah, Yankee fans are dumb, and and fans in the Wrigley bleachers who get distracted by empty beer cups and a snake are the paragon of intelligence. (laughs) Tap on any drunk Wrigleyville asshole in the sun-baked bleachers, and he'll be able to tell you all about the intricacies of the infield fly rule. Fucking assholes. Superiority (laughs) complex. Um, yeah, Cubs fans are real
1: baseball.
2: Cubs fans are real baseball. Yankees fans are not. They're stupid bandwagoners. But uh, the Yankees went on to hit uh, five more solo homers on, on Saturday and then won 18-4 on Sunday. So uh, maybe, you know, the Yankees got the last laugh there, both on the field and in the social media department, uh, where somebody tweeted uh, Nestor Cortez doing the home run finger circle, saying maybe everything is a home run. Maybe everything is a home run. Yankees had a home run off a of position player throwing 35.4 miles an hour yesterday. So, really nothing more to say about that. But we do have to talk about Matt Carpenter, who is putting up an historic start to his Yankees career. You look at his, uh, you know, the, the fly ball distribution chart. It's hilarious. He's got, I think, eight hits, nine hits. Sorry, got a hit late in Sunday's game. Nine hits, one bunt down the third baseline <laughs> one rip double down the right field line late in yesterday's game and seven home runs to right field uh, both at Tropicana field and in the short porch. but they're all clustered in the exact same area. He is giving the quotes that, you know, Yankee fan dream quotes people uh, who hate the Yankees have their panties in a bunch over this. He was saying yesterday, uh, you know, it's it's nine nine on one every time this offense goes to work. You know, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. I got chills from hearing the bleacher creatures call my name. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. And, yeah. and the mustache is a thing. And no one is expecting Matt Carpenter to keep this up for the rest of the year. No one is saying Matt Carpenter better have a 1,500 OPS for the rest of the year or else he'll be a, a bust. But he's not going anywhere. No. And they are going to have to figure out, uh, at a certain point, they're going to have to say, are we okay with Glaber Torres being the backup shortstop? Or are we going to have to sacrifice a pitcher in order to keep Marwin Gonzalez on the roster to fulfill that role? Or are we just going to, again, run with Glaber in June, July, August, and when they expand rosters in September, bring up a rookie? Because Marwin Gonzalez is, is definitely the lowest man on the totem pole right now. He's not hitting. He, he was the only Yankee to go 0 for yesterday, went 0-5 against pitching that couldn't get anybody else out. He's had his moments. This, he hasn't even been that bad, right? He's had his moments this year. He's been offensively challenged, but he started a few rallies. The Yankees have had worst twenty sixth men in recent history, but he's the lowest man on the totem pole. He's been lapped by Carpenter. Carpenter is not someone they can get rid of anytime soon. He's not someone they can keep off a playoff roster at this point. And uh, you wonder how long they'll be able to survive with this current roster before they have to make that somewhat difficult decision because – uh carpenter went out and took
3: it yeah i mean it's so funny because we're always trying to suggest moves for the yankees um and we always think we know better uh, sometimes we do most of the time we don't but this one just felt like a layup signing mac Car- or being able to sign mac Arbiter, a guy who was rediscovering or tr- attempting to rediscover himself a guy who always seemed like he'd probably be a yankees fit because of his defensive versatility and his power from the left side of the plate um, I know it sounds redundant and dumb, but it's true. He's hit no porchers yet, but every fucking home run he's hit has been to right field and it's been an absolute tank. So all it's going to take, you know, as time goes on, he's not going to be, if he hits a slump or he's not making solid contact, there's going to be a time where the porch comes in handy and he's and he's reaping the benefits. Um, And uh, you, you just look at his past Usually these guys are the, the the ones who fit in later career with the Yankees. And you, know, you had a successful run of form with another franchise, a three-time all-star, had a couple of, what, 130-plus home run season.
2: MVP candidate in 2018. Candidate. Le- yeah. Legit, yeah. Yeah,
3: silver slugger back in 2013. Like, total – a force of a player. Plays multiple positions. Um, and then he com- goes into this rut where he doesn't know what's going on with the swing. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been a problem for quite a while now. And usually, when that happens, is all those players need is one of two things, or usually two things at once: a change of scenery with more protection in the lineup. Um, the Cardinals have been good, but they haven't been—you know, they are they're, they, they're not exactly a powerhouse. Um, they feel like a perennial second-place team in that division because of how good the Brewers are, um, mm-hmm. and they haven't really made any noise in the playoffs at any point recently. Um, so you get a guy like Carpenter who wants that change of scenery uh, can be sandwiched in between a number of good hitters who you cannot pitch around. And then he's going to see more pitches and he's going to barrel a bunch. And all he's been doing is barreling. Um, his swing is so natural uh, that home run. He hit that, that three run shot he hit yesterday was the most effortless home run that went what 30 something rows back into the bleachers, mm-hmm. the right mm-hmm. fielder didn't even move. Um, but I uh, yeah, and and the, the commentary around him, it's the it's the positive vibes. He's happy to be here, he loves the clubhouse, he loves making an impression here. Um, and you have players like him saying that. You have players like Trevino saying that. Nestor Cortez is, is saying stuff like that as well. Um, and it just it brings things all around, um, where they should be from a, a vibe standpoint. Um, because we had for so long thought things were rotten in this clubhouse. What is going on? Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe, maybe you look back to was Clint Frazier actually a problem? Was (laughs) Barry Sanchez? Like, I don't know. Were the, were some of these guys a problem?
2: I don't know. I I do know. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Matt Carpenter and his 1592 OPS and three forty two OPS plus and 0.8 war in two weeks of baseball. I know that that's what I do know.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.
3: I don't know. Maybe some of these guys were a problem. Maybe the fit just wasn't there. Maybe the fact that you're kind of picking up more hungry guys um, in a guy like, you know, for example, like Donaldson, Donaldson hasn't really been on a winning team in a while Um, and probably, you know, looking for another opportunity um, lights a fire under his ass. You get a guy like Carpenter who's trying to just find a swing. He's happy to be, in a place where somebody will have him. He wanted to, he said he would load the plane with bags. If the Yankees were to sign him, that was his first quote arriving here. Yeah. He doesn't Uh, have to
2: do that. He doesn't have to do that.
3: (laughs) Uh, You have a guy like Trevino, who's been a perennial backup his entire career. If that, you know, fringe, just fringe, like active roster player, if if we're being honest. And now he couldn't be more grateful. So um, nonetheless, the pickup of Carpenter is going to create a roster issue. His versatility, his, um, his just general good vibes and his power. Um, he has a penchant for getting big hits. It seems to, he either gets the party started, continues to pile it on, or is, you know, is, is there to break some sort of slump um, from the rest, from the rest of the lineup. Um, so it's going to create a problem. And at this point, I don't know how you even consider getting rid of him. Um, he's, he's got to be here to stay. Um, it's more, it's building out the world series roster. Do you want a guy like Matt Carpenter on your bench? Or did you want a guy like Tyler Wade on your bench? I know we were crying about Tyler Wade for a while, but now it looks like we were fucking wrong. I'm wrong again. And I like being wrong when it's good. Oh, it's, it's great. Good.
2: It's so good. Yeah.
3: Um. But yeah, so Matt Carpenter seems like a, that's, this is a, at this point, it's not going to continue on this trajectory. It's not, it's not going to be a 1.592 OPS, but no, no, it's a world series esque edition. It's a guy who is looking for retribution. It's a guy who is happy to be where he is. It's a guy who loves playing baseball. And that's someone you want coming off the bench in the seventh inning of a tight game, looking for a clutch hit.
2: The question is where can he play? Um, yeah. Like, uh, you know, he's DH. Yesterday was his first time in the field, made a diving play at third. After yeah. a high. Yeah. Uh, cool. Good for him. Um, like, is Matt Carpenter going to be a left fielder? Can you get an occasional, he was maybe going to move and take some reps in the left field at the end of 2019 with the Cardinals. I don't know if it actually panned out and, he i I saw brandon cuddy i believe tweet yesterday that he's played like three games out there um i'm gonna pull that up while i'm talking but he doesn't have a natural position i have it right here yeah he's played seven seven career games and left none since 2012 so like right is that epic you know not really that's not, not what you want out there but if gallo is more comfortable and right and you want to give Judge the occasional day off, and Stanton, you know, there's no corollary between him starting the outfield and him playing DH. Maybe sometimes you get Carpenter, Judge, Gallo, Stanton on the on the bench, DHing, or maybe you get Carpenter Hicks, Gallo, Judge DHing, Stanton taking a day off. That might be how you end up inserting him. Uh, maybe Donaldson needs more days off than he's gotten. He hasn't been as productive a player as we may be expected him to. Perhaps most of his values in the clubhouse. Who's to say um, they're going to need to find reps for him. He can't go like a week without starting, which is basically what just happened. He, he was all over that Angel series. He homered to the Nestor Cortez game. Uh, Tiger series, he basically didn't play. Twin series, he basically didn't play. Wasn't even supposed to play in the Cubs series. I was at, again, Friday night's game. He got an at-bat, a pinch hit at-bat that nobody even noticed. He, he like got used to lead off an inning, pinch hitting for Marwin Gonzalez in the seventh or something. And it just like, he struck out quick. I, I wasn't paying attention and he struck out. Right. And then people around me were like, where's Carpenter in extra innings. And it was hard to even communicate. Like, I think he came in when we weren't paying attention. Like oh. he was red hot in Tampa, red hot against the angels and then comes home and he's basically just not used. And then yesterday seven RBI takes out a week's worth of aggression on the, on the opponent. He's got to be used down the stretch. Bottom line. Uh, he is Tim Raines. He is Wade Boggs. He is these like late career star players who come to the Yankees late in life it also merits mentioning people whining and complaining, like, the Yankees got him, and he sucked since 2018, and of course now he's good. What the fuck is this shit? There was an in-depth athletic article that you're not going to read because you're just angry, so why would you? But if you actually wanted to read something, it's about how he reworked his swing all offseason long with Joey Votto, with old teammates at a Texas baseball camp, traveling around the country this offseason because he knew – there was more left in his bat, and he knew his swing had lost something over the previous couple of years. The Cardinals left him for dead. He didn't leave himself for dead, and he made tangible improvements this offseason. So if you want to be a hater and whine about how this always happens to the Yankees, even though this hasn't happened – first of all, this hasn't happened to the Yankees in like a decade since Raul Obanez. And second, it's not its not—it's not something that happened. He made changes to his swing. Yeah. The Yankees signed him. I don't know what that would – do you want them to not pursue people they're interested in? I mean, I mean obviously that is what you want. You want them to get bad and stay bad, so that is what you want. But <laughs> it's it's not a reasonable ask to say the Yankees should just refrain from signing interesting talent in case they get good so that you won't have to complain about them. And rumor has it the Red Sox and Braves were also interested in Matt Carpenter, which is just the chef's kiss on the whole situation. He preferred the Yankees, so no big deal. But the Red Sox were looking. And think about how annoying it would be to have this guy in the Boston Red Sox with the big beard back. Nope. He wouldn't just have the stash. No, he would be. I mean, he would be, the, they would be, the flags would be real. If Matt Carpenter were on the red side, <laughs> that I guarantee you. Yeah. Um, so just be thankful. <laughs> Thank you. All he stars if he's on this team instead. And he wants to be here. Uh, speaking of guys who want to be here, Jose Trevino. A fucking I don't know why they team. didn't, I don't know why they didn't push the Jose Trevino button for the first 12 innings of Friday's game, but they did. Yeah. And he instantly won the game for them. Sat Sunday while nursing a little back issue, but played through it on Saturday. Not real concerned, and Got the double day off, headed into Tuesday's series opener against Tampa at home. Uh, a certified legend. And, and we had already talked about him extensively when he won the game on his dad's uh, birthday. Uh, you know, his, his dad passed away, and that would have been his 68th birthday, I believe. Um, that was an incredible moment. He walked off on on Friday for his son It was his son's fourth birthday. He FaceTimed him after the game, said, Daddy, did you win it for me? I mean, like, this is right out of a sports movie. And if you want to add to the sports movie theme, Trevino went to the premiere of Derek Jeter's documentary on Sunday night after the game. Like, Anthony Rizzo a couple weeks ago went to the Ranger playoff game after the rainout, and we were like, this guy rules. Jose Trevino went to Derek Jeter's Tribeca Film Festival premiere. Uh, He was the only Yankee there, as far as we could tell. Current roster Yankee, like Spike Lee, was there. Jose Trevino was there. CC was there, um, but Jose Trevino stood out, met Jeter, and said, you know, this is what it's like meeting your childhood idol. They dug up the, Talking Yanks dug up the tweets again. He was tweeting in 2014 about how he was going to cry when Jeter retired. He tweeted, like, every week about Jeter. Like, he's got the bona fides. And so he's having maybe the most special Yankees tenure of anybody through mid June and just another, like, you know, you want to say intangibles don't exist. And then you see a guy like Jose Trevino playing for his father's dream team, playing for the franchise. He grew up loving and, and bringing something so much deeper to this. And it, it teaches you that like the same people whining and complaining about Matt Carpenter are whining and complaining about Trevino. Just can't enjoy a story like this. Okay. Just take a step back and enjoy an incredible baseball story.
3: Yeah. I mean, <sighs> Can you, though, if this was happening with the Red Sox? We wouldn't, oh, you
2: know, no, I'd be fucking furious. <laughs>
3: um, the great part about this, I talked about it last time. It's such a good story that you can't you can ignore it, but you can't hate it. So it like gives you a secret reason to potentially maybe like the Yankees if you hate the Yankees or like something surrounding the Yankees, which you're not, you know, you might not be allowed to do as a you know, your moral code doesn't allow you to do it. Um, so I love when this stuff happens, when there's likable players here that can't really be talked shit on, um, and you know what else Travinio's doing? He's distracting from other guys who aren't exactly performing, or other guys who are slumping. So, you know, you look at the Yankees' 2022 stats. Really, all who stands out to you is Aaron Judge, who's having one, he's having the best season in the league by far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go down the list. You got Donaldson hitting 235 with a 730 OPS. Nothing special. IKF 267 630 OPS, really nothing special. But he's getting timely hits. Gleyber Torres numbers on the surface don't look that great, but he's got a 125 OPS plus. He has the second most homer or the third most home runs on the team. Or no, I'm sorry, the fourth most. I forgot about Rizzo. But he's got 12 homers, which is one fewer than Giancarlo Stanton. Um, and a guy like Trevino was masking the deficiencies of Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo, who are slowly coming around. Maybe that's buying them some time. Um, and a guy like DJ Mayu batting 262, like, not really what we need. We need better than that if this team wants to achieve its full potential. Um, and kind of like Higgy could be getting a lot more criticized right now if Jose Trevino didn't exist. Higgy might be, you know, might be crucified at the moment because of how much criticism Gary Sanchez got for even putting up like solid numbers. Gary Sanchez put up. Gary Sanchez put up good numbers last year. His OPS, like 730 or 740, hit like 20 bombs. Yeah. Like, that's a it's good right. reason for a catcher. But, like, Gary Sanchez set the expectations too high, made a lot of boneheaded defensive plays time and time here and there. Maybe he wasn't hustling. It didn't seem like it. So, there was a lot of ire. And Higgy was the next in waiting because he essentially took Gary's starting job from him on uh, two separate occasions um, between 2020 and 2021. Um, and now he's batting 172 with a 505 OPS. And his one of his bigger hits was off a 34-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, so a really bad season for him. And then you have, you have a guy like Trevino who is – I can't even believe these stats when I'm reading them. Runners in scoring position, and this is not a small sample size, guys. This is a no. little sample size. 21 games, 29 plate appearances. He's hitting 407 with a 1.041 OPS, 13 RBIs. You bring that down to high leverage situations, 11 games, 14 plate appearances, sitting 500 with a 1.321 OPS, one homer, and six RBIs. He's been solely responsible for two Yankees wins. Um, And his defense was the reason he was brought over here. And the funny thing is you think about why he was acquired. He was acquired because Ben Wortvet got injured. I mean, at least we can assume. We didn't really talk. Ooh. Yeah. We didn't really ask Brian Cashman why Jose Trevino was acquired, but you saw what happened. The Yankees acquired a catcher in the deal with the Twins when they shipped Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela off. Ben wordfett was the other guy. He was the presumed backup catcher. Um, we were loving his biceps. Then he gets hurt, and then the Yankees have to trade Albert Abreu for Jose Trevino, and you're like, come on, man, a relief asset for a third-string catcher who we're probably going to cut? Then fast forward to however long later, Jose Trevino is one of the most prolific Outs above average or catch, uh, uh, catcher framing runs leaders in the entire league. He's one off the lead. He has three. Um, he has developed a rapport with this starting pitching staff in light speed. Came over here and now he's you see him in the dugout with every pitcher talking shop every single time. Aaron Boone, we've I've said this ten times on the podcast. Talked about his dedication to defensive game plans you saw how fucking excited Trevino was when Jordan Montgomery got that strikeout in the seventh inning to get out and you know Jordan Montgomery has had a little bit of trouble this year just finishing the job off whatever inning he has to go through so he gets that strikeout Trevino's pumping his fist screaming and you see uh Jordan Montgomery as a result yelling into his glove because he's so excited too so the intangibles here are so real um and uh you have the the storylines that whatever the The divine intervention here, where Trevino is is like um, he's kind of connected to all these feel good things, um, and there's always a tie in. Um, He meets Derek Jeter last night. He looks like a five year old meeting his idol for the first time. It's just it's all incredible shit. And you are not going to you you as a Yankee fan who are who who was watching baseball this year, you if Jose Trevino was traded tomorrow. It's not going to happen, but just for the sake of it, you are not going to forget Jose Trevino. You are going to reference Jose Trevino for years to come based on what he's done so far. He's got a 1.7 war this year, a 146 OPS plus. He's hitting 309 with an 861 OPS plus, uh, 861 OPS, five homers and 18 RBIs in part-time duty in 39 games. Absolutely unbelievable. He needs to be the starting catcher. Moving forward, on he needs to be seen in many more games based on his contributions, both from a production standpoint and just a, uh, a motivation attitude shift standpoint because it's clear it's, it's, it's affecting the rest of the roster. Every time he's conversing with somebody in the dugout, it looks like a great time. Um, the, the cameras are finally hitting the right spots this year. After last year, everything looked miserable and terrible and the, the opposite of fun. So, More cannot be said about Jose Trevino, in my opinion, solidified as a Yankee legend, two months on the job. That's the end of the story.
2: And Kyle Higashioka credited him. He hit two homers yesterday. Yeah, uh, One was off a real guy, uh, depending on what you think of the Cubs pitching staff, and one was off a 35-mile-an-hour looper. <laughs> but he homered twice yesterday, and he credited Jose Trevino for finding something in his swing and, and leading him towards those two home runs. So, like, is Hickey fixed? No. He's one of the worst regular position players in Bay. He was... Entering the weekend, the worst regular position player in baseball. Yeah. And the defense has been a downgrade. He made a spectacular play on a backhand yesterday behind the plate, saving a run on a wild pitch. He's been awful, flat terrible. And the two contributions he's given us this season were thanks in part to Jose Trevino. So yeah. uh, you, you literally cannot say enough about this guy. Uh, when you when you thought you briefly lost him prior, it looked like so both Glaber and Jose Trevino got benched, scratched late yesterday and you were like, what the hell is this? Is this late-onset COVID? What's going on? Uh, Trevino's got this back thing he's working through, and and Glaber had some stomach bug that that Aaron Boone said he was going to ultimately be fine, and that's great. But he's quickly become one of the, like, five guys you don't want to lose. They don't really have that much depth in the starting rotation. You don't want to lose any of those guys for any length of time. But then it's, like, Judge, Stanton, Jose Trevino, third on offense? Like... (laughs) You know, you don't want to lose any of these guys, but offensively, you've got people who can fill spaces. Carpenter for Donaldson, Carpenter for LeMahieu. You know, there are too many infielders, but there's only one Jose Trevino, and it's been sort of incredible to watch so far. Is he an all-star? Like, you want to say no because he's a part-time catcher and he starts four times a week, but who else in the American League are going to send to the all-star game? I don't know. He is 146 OPS plus. He's still uh, under 100 at bats, and, and the, I say this knowing full well they're going to keep him. He's not going to yeah. be on the roster, of course. Like it's not going to happen. But whoever, I'll, here's here's the hot take. Whoever they do send to the All Star game is going to be having a worse season than Jose Trevino.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I I don't disagree with that. And forget about production standpoint. You know, you said Judge Stanton. Who is the who are the most talked about Yankees? Judge Nestor Cortez, Jose Trevino. And it's not really an accident. It's just what's happening. Um, and there are many other players on this roster who are performing out of their minds. Luis Severino is proving everybody wrong based on what they had thought he'd be able to produce after missing all the time that he has. Jamison Tyone is pretty much a co-ace at this point based mm-hmm. on how he, he said one bad start this year. It came his last outing. Him and Nestor Cortez got roughed up a little bit. It's bound to happen. You're 12 starts in. You're, you're pitching out of your mind. You have Montgomery, who is continually just pitching very well for the three straight years now. Um, Clay Holmes is having a season that we might not ever see again if this continues. Uh, So, like, there are so many other people to talk about on this roster from a production standpoint, and Jose Trevino is still stealing a lot of the spotlight. Um, And it's it's not just because it's a bunch of BS. He's also performing. And it's lending to all this off field stuff and just feel good stuff. But when, yeah, when you think about it, at the end of the day, it's the top three is literally Judge, Nestor, Jose Trevino. We're going to see, I, I, I mean, I guess we got to get a Trevino jersey, but we're going to, you're going to see more Trevino stuff. There's got to be some gimmick with him. You know, we have the judge's yeah. chambers. You got, you got Nestor's mustache with the kid, all the kids. Like that's, that's the new thing. It's nasty Nestor with the mustache. Um, What's the Trevino? What's the Trevino thing? Well, I, I people know.
2: are really sort of unlucky because a lot of those, uh, you know, Tina Martinez jerseys become Gary yeah. Sanchez jerseys, yeah. become Matt Carpenter jerseys. So that one's fucking easy. Yeah. Uh, Nestor, like every company's making a Nestor shirt. The Yankees are giving one away in a couple of weeks. Uh, Nestor bobblehead day next year probably going to be fucking electric. I mean, you, I I was in line for the Pettit bobblehead. Really difficult stuff. Uh, I actually cut a lot of people um oh, yeah. sorry unfortunately my my dad's a great guy um <laughs> if any if any of you thought I was a legend I actually did cut many of you um and if you were the 18,000th and first person then then uh, I'm happy to more than happy to package mine up but next year for Nesty Nester's gonna be insane yeah. uh Trevino number 39 that's not like a vaunted number in Yankees no. history Actually, gonna look that up now though because I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think a single one of you has any of these jerseys, no. and so you you can't claim to have a, a unless you got a. It, it's Melky Cabrera in his rookie year. So if you had a Melky jersey in 05, then congrats. You might want to dust that one off and, and turn that into a Trevino. '96 uh, World Series champion Brian Bowringer, not a fan favorite. Don't think you guys have that one. Sean Chacon. Mm. In 05 and 06, but if you have that, it's probably a jersey. I don't think any of you guys invested in the Sean Chacon uh, nameless jersey. A couple all-stars in there. Jim Coates, Ron Davis, Chad Green back in 2016, but never Ooh. again. David Adams, the guy who prevented the Cliff Lee trade in 2013. If you're a fucking lunatic, maybe you <laughs> have that one. Uh, Roberto Kelly, another all-star, but again, Mark Melanson. You maybe got a spring training Warren jersey. Andy Phillips. Actually, there are some kings among us here. All right. Uh Daryl Strawberry, Mike Talkman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Those are your guys. Um, so if you have any of those, best of luck to you. You now have a Jose Trevino jersey. This this team needs to do a little bit of catch up in the marketing department. Can they- I, I was at the game, I saw I saw Rizzo, I saw Gallo. Gallo, by the way. Yankee fans, the one I'll criticize you one time. I'll, I'll do a one time criticism. Extra innings on Friday night. Uh, Joey Gallo came into the game late defensive replacement. He's in right field one, one game, all the tension in the world. You can cut it with a knife. You don't really need to be heckling Joey Gallo in right field at that point. I think you need to be focusing on other shit, uh, considering he hadn't done anything and actually was coming off a two home run game in Minnesota. Uh, there were fans in the front row that whenever he checked his defensive positioning card and moved left and right, they were pointing like a defensive coordinator telling him where to go. A uh, guy during all the silences yelled, Joey, hey, you might want to look at his softball. There was a guy even closer to the field who was just riding him for every defensive half inning. First of all, uh, again, I get booing. You know, I don't, uh, booing, it's not great. It's not fun. Booing is occasionally warranted. This was not booing. This was targeted harassment of a dude who, you know, call me, you can call me soft if you want to. Obviously, he should be able to take it. But also, obviously, he can't take it. So I don't know why you want to decrease his chances of succeeding. Exactly, yeah. And then, B, just do it when it's warranted, right? He drops a fly ball, give it to him. Yeah. He's coming off a two-home run game. He's standing in the outfield in a tie game trying to maintain a tie game, and and people are just giving it to him in all the moments of silence. So, obviously, he should be able to take it. I'm not saying that any of you are responsible for anything, but just when you're doing that, think about, you know, he's probably going to be gone at the deadline anyway, Right. Just wait a month and a half till he comes back as a visiting player. There's no that that's the kind of stuff that gets us the reputation as bad fans. There's yeah. no reason to be chirping at Joey Galloway and beyond chirping, like getting personal yeah. during Uncomputed. defensive half innings of a tie game, uncalled for.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't agree with that. That's 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 the lame shit. Um, you know, happy to hold players accountable when the time calls for it. But the guy just helped orchestrate the cool one of the coolest comebacks of the season outside of the judge walk off bomb against Toronto. Um, so like, yeah, maybe those hits weren't, maybe those hits weren't the highest stakes hits, but he still did it. And everybody's playing a role here. The whole, the whole, uh, the whole motto with this Yankees team is everyone's playing a role. Someone's doing something. Someone's helping spark a rally. Someone's making a timely defensive play. Someone's pitching a gym when, you know, you didn't expect it. Um, but I do have one for the Yankees marketing department, mm-hmm. or PR department. If they have a printer, just print out fucking Jose Trevino's smiling faces and put them on popsicle sticks, just hand them out. Like, why not? And then people could buy, like, a shirt that has him smiling on it. His smile. Like, that's how everybody knows him at this point. Shaved beer. When he first arrived in New York, he was asking – he took a picture of the CVS shaving aisle, the shaving <laughs> cream aisle, and asked his uh, what fans recommended was the best shaving cream because I guess he hadn't shaved like that in a while. Um, but, yeah, you know him from his, his nice, round face that's smiling at all times. Let's do that. Let's get some good vibes in the stadium. Easy thing to do, and then you – put it into something, make a shirt, make a fucking hat. I don't know.
2: He's uh, had moments. He, yeah. Him, him, his smiling face with Poppy as the text. Yeah, yeah. On Friday night, he yelled, let's go home. Yeah. After walking everybody off, that's a great caption. This is easy stuff. And Joey Gallo is still in the store. You can and be people, are, people, are, people are pre-burning the Joey Gallo shirts. <laughs> like, people are not wearing those. So slide Trevino in there. Uh, slide Matt Carpenter in there if you want to WB Mason guy Uh, you know with WB the Matt Carpenter t-shirt day presented by WB Mason is gonna be another electric uh, midsummer afternoon evening and by the way all these games are electric now so get out to Yankee Stadium this week this all starts with the Rays at home Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and this is gonna shock you the pitching matchups are crazy because the Yankee starters are crazy so Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, Every night we're, we're throwing somebody at you that could win a game. They're, they're not – no walkovers yet. So, huge week in the Bronx, followed by a huge road trip. This is going to be fun. And when, when the road trip's over, the Astros come to town, folks. Uh, the only two teams this year who have not won a game after trailing by three runs or more, the Royals, who suck, and the Houston Astros, who don't suck but are clearly – Gutless babies. So keep that in mind. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five star reviews. Drop us those mailbag cues. We've literally never been happy to answer them. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. I'm Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? At Tommy's
3: underscore takes, folks. Oh, uh, yeah. Head on over. Uh, folks is not part of the part of the handle. It's no, it's not in there. Right? Tommy's underscore takes. Um, head on over to Yanksgoyard.com. We got plenty of content there for you staying in tune to what's going on, writing about all the relevant stuff. And we got the trade deadline. It's coming up, dude. We're, we already had Joel Sherman speculate on a few targets, um, analyzing that, seeing what makes sense. Uh, talk to us on the official yanks go yard, Twitter account at yanks go yard FS um, three game series. We're off today. It's great. Take yeah. the breather three game series against the Rays. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we will talk to you again right here Thursday afternoon after the first two games of this series. Um, And it's going to be good. I'm feeling good. I don't care about the Rays anymore. They don't bug me as much. So enjoy your next few days. Come hang out with us on Thursday, 2 p.m., and we're going to have a good time.
2: Oh, yeah. We will see you there.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.